G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is by the Reverend Mike Upton from Bush Church Aid. Uh, He visited this week to share a mission spot and also to preach for us. The The sermon is entitled Escape from Egypt, the Red Sea, and it focuses on Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 to 31. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The reading is from Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 to 31. The angel of, the, of God, who had been travelling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so neither went near and the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all the night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all the Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw them into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea And at daybreak, the sea went back into place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses their servant. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it is great to be back. Uh, 12 months ago, tomorrow, I think, we were here. Uh, So it's nice to come up every 12 months and see what's changed and what's been bulldozed and built. (laughs) It's also exciting to uh, see that you've been working through the book of Exodus over the past few weeks. Uh, It's a a great book and uh, full of um, wonderful stories in it. But I'm hoping and praying that as you've been looking at it, you've started to see how foundational this book is and this event is to the whole Bible story. And that's 
a little bit of what I want to focus on today as we come to one of the, the best known stories uh, in the book of Exodus. Let me pray for us and then we're going to have a look at Exodus chapter 14. Uh, dear Jesus, we are in slavery. We needed saving and you came and died and took the judgment that should have been ours and you brought us to the promised land. So as we ponder these wonderful truths again in your word, may you guide us by your spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, hopefully there's... Uh, let's see if we can get this working. Get, no, next one. Does this work? Oh, it does work. Look at that. Um, as we transfer the, uh, the slides over, there's been a, a little bit of a hiccup with some of the names um, and some of the, the words. So... Uh, that's my title. My name is actually up closer to the roof. Um, <laughs> but most of you know it anyway. Uh, so, and if you don't, you can ask me afterwards. Um, so, yes, it is good to be here. Um, the crossing of the Red Sea, that's what we're thinking about today. I wonder how you think it happened. Uh, having heard it read, having read it, I suspect, many times yourself, how did it happen? Um, what would it have felt like crossing the Red Sea? as it's described in Exodus. Um, I wonder at times whether Moses thought he looked a bit silly standing there on the side of this body of water with a stick in his hand. Uh, some of you, I suspect, if not most of you, have been helped by uh, this movie, The Ten Commandments, with Charlton Heston, uh, portrayed in that way up there. Um, it makes for a great movie. Uh, some of the, the, if you read the Bible and you look at, at uh, the Cecil B. DeMille 1956 movie, so that's a few years old now, uh, some of the facts don't match, but hey, maybe that's how you thought it was. Uh, maybe you've been to Japan and you've seen that, uh, that phenomenon. So that's uh, snow ploughing a road over and over and over and over again. And what is now on either side is about a 20-foot wall of snow. And it's actually a tourist attraction uh, in one of the southern islands of Japan. Um, would that give you an idea of what it was like to have these walls of water on either side? Um, or maybe you're a Gary Larson fan, like me, and you get a chuckle out of this cartoon about a young Moses parting uh, his dinner time drink maybe <laughs> Moses wasn't phased at all because he'd been parting things all of his life I don't know, well not really Yeah. Um, <laughs> however you look at it though it's a ripper of a story isn't it uh, there's the good guys being chased by the bad guys uh, and the good guys keep looking behind them and, and feeling a bit oh, what's going to happen and then the bad guys are gaining ground and they've got chariots and they've got horses and the good guys don't have that and then the good guys are cornered They've got the sea in front of them and the bad guys behind. And what are they going to do? And then the hero steps up and he saves the day and the good guys get across and the bad guys all get, all get washed away. It's a great story. Let me ask you a couple of questions about it, though, as we think about it. Uh, here they are. Did it happen? Um, did it happen just like it says? And why did it happen? Uh, so did it happen? I, look, I'll give you my very uh, simple answer, yes. Um, it's in the scriptures. Uh, and it's, it's not just referred to here 
This event is referred to again and again and again throughout the Bible. So the writers and the hearers of the Bible believed that it happened, so I've no reason to doubt that it happened. Did it happen as it's described in Exodus? Well, you can read thousands of PhDs on this. Uh, knock yourself out. Um, <laughs> PhD saying why, how the water banked up scientifically, how that could happen, how did it suddenly let go and come drown the, the Egyptians. I, I tend to think it happened as Don read it to us this morning. Uh, I, I'm a fairly simple guy, but I think that a God who created everything and who brought all the plagues on Egypt and the God who spoke to Moses out of a bush that was burning but wasn't burning wouldn't have too much of a problem in pushing water aside for a bit. That's me. Um, making a wind blow so that waters can be separated. I think that's a fairly reasonable thing to do for an all-powerful, all-awesome God. Why did it happen though? That's the bigger question. Uh, why did this event happen? On the surface, uh, you, you get it. It happened because the bad guys are chasing the good guys and the good guys need to get away. The good guys have two options. Do they turn and fight the Egyptian army with all their horses and chariots and shields and swords and everything else? Or do they go through the sea? Um, that, that's the practical answer. That's why this happened, because they didn't have much choice. Um, but the fact that this event is mentioned over and over and over and over again in the Bible, the fact that God's people were called on to remember this event again and again and again suggests to me that this event has a much bigger purpose. So if you, if you actually Google the phrase, brought you out of Egypt, you will get about a hundred Bible references. If you narrow that down and, and, and Google out of Egypt, you will get hundreds and hundreds more. Because Everyone in the Old Testament, the historians, the prophets, the poets, the religious leaders, the writers, writers after writer in the Old Testament, again and again go back to this event and want people to remember that God brought them out of Egypt through the Red Sea. They were to never forget this event because it was foundational to who they were and how they understand, understood God. So what I want us, that's what I want us to think about today. You can talk to me over morning tea about how big the walls were and how it happened. Happy with that. But this event is actually bigger than the practicalities. This is an event that these people were asked to remember again and again. I think it's foundational on three fronts. Here they are. Oop, there they are. First thing is this event reminded them that God was a faithful God. He promised to bring them out of Egypt. And he was true to his promise. And you've probably looked at this before, but four or five hundred years before the crossing of the Red Sea, God had said 
in, in Genesis 46 to Jacob, don't be afraid to go down to Egypt for I'll make you into a great nation down there. I will go down to Egypt with you and then I will surely bring you back. God promised it 500 years before. I will bring you back again. So the walk through the Red Sea is a fulfilment of a promise God made 500 years ago. They're on their way back to the land of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, back to the promised land. And so this event was to say to them, remember that God is faithful. God promised and God's delivered on that promise. Uh, you may have looked at this verse uh, in earlier uh, sermons on Exodus, Exodus 6. Uh, God says to them, when they're in Egypt, uh, I'm the Lord, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from them. I will redeem you with a mighty outstretched arm. So they are to remember that God is a faithful promise-keeping God. Second thing that to remember is that God did it all. I don't know whether you've ever thought about that, uh, but it's there in the reading. Verse 30 of our reading today, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw all the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Who did this? Well, it was the Lord. No one else. What did the Israelites do to get themselves from one side of the Red Sea to the other? Answer, nothing. They didn't part the waters. They didn't start the wind. They didn't hold the waters back. God did it. God had brought the plagues. God had turned the heart of Pharaoh. God had given Israelites favour with their neighbours so that their neighbours gave them cattle and sheep and gold and whatever. God caused the wind to blow. God set up the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. God did it all. And that's again and again through the Old Testament. They're called on to remember this event, but not just this event. They're called on to remember God did it. So in Judges, uh, the Israelites cry out to the Lord because of Midian who was uh, attacking them and he sent them a prophet who said, this is what God says, I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt, from the hand of your oppressors. I drove them before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Don't worship other gods. I, 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 I. See, their remembering of this event and all of the events of the Exodus that you've been going through was to remind them that God saved them. God delivered them. God redeemed them. They didn't save themselves. They didn't have any hand in delivering themselves from Pharaoh's clutches to the promised land. It was all God. So they couldn't boast about how strong they were and how big their armies were and how great they were. No, no, no. All they had to do was do what God told them to do. 
Moses, hold your hand up. Fine, I'll hold my hand up. You guys walk through. Okay, we'll walk through. We're on the other side. Well, who did that? God did that. And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. The Israelites were to remember that God is a promise-keeping God and that he did it all. Third thing, they were then to live their lives accordingly. Exodus 20, I reckon most of you will know these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods but me. That's the beginning of the Ten Commandments. And in some of our Anglican services, those words are read as a precursor to our confession of sin. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall keep the Sabbath, honour your father and mother, do not murder. That's how you live, isn't it? But what comes before that? What were the Israelites to remember before they even thought about how they should live day by day? I am the Lord your God. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I saved you. Never forget that. Miracle after miracle, I brought you out. As you think about living as my children, as you think about how to live life day by day, how you think about keeping a Sabbath and honouring your father and mother and all those things, remember the miracle of the Red Sea. I saved you. Live in response to that. Now, I, we could go on, but I want to jump forward as I finish and just think about another passage. Oops, see how we go. There we go. Luke chapter 9, 28 to 36. Again, this is a passage that you'd be familiar with, but let me read it to you. About eight days after Jesus said these things, he took Peter, John and James with him and they went up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, his appearance changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of light. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendour talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfilment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. When they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. And as they were leaving, Peter said, Master, it's good for us to be here. You know the story. Let's put up three shelters, one for you and Moses and Elijah, and on it goes. What were they talking about? Jesus, you know... It says in our Bibles, Jesus' departure. The word is Exodus. Moses and Elijah and Jesus were talking about his Exodus. His. Think about what you've learned in the book of Exodus. This is what they're talking about. Jesus is going to do what was done in the book of Exodus. The pattern is the same. For us, what does Jesus' Exodus 
Jesus, the events of Jesus' life, death and resurrection remind us of? Reminds us that God is faithful. That God promised a long time ago to send a saviour. He promised to do something to sort out the problem of sin. He promised to do something to rebuild the friendship between him and us. And he sent Jesus. God is true to his promises. And we need to remember that. The Israelites had to remember it back then, but we need to remember it every day that God is faithful. We need to trust him. He promised he will do what he says. It might take 500 years. And that's what frustrates us, I think. Well, no, that's what frustrates me. Because he really should do it tomorrow. Um, If I were God, I would, but I'm not. And praise God for that. But please don't forget, as the Israelites were called on not to forget, that God is faithful. Second thing that we note about Jesus' exodus is that God did it all. Did we do anything to win our salvation? No. We're like the Israelites. God sent Moses. God challenged Pharaoh. God parted the sea. Worship him alone because he did it all. God sent Jesus. God accepted his death on the cross. God raised him from the dead. What did we do? Nothing. All we can do is what we've just sung. Trust and obey. And then live accordingly. That's how we live our lives. Because God's done it all. We need to live in response to that. And this is where I think we we wrestle. Uh, Because I think sometimes we, we get the sense that we're doing things to win favour with God. If only I can live a good life, then when I get to heaven, God will go, "Ah, yeah, okay. You know, your good things are going to outweigh your bad things. No, no, no. No, no, no. The pattern was back there in Exodus. God did it all. You did nothing. Live accordingly. With Jesus, God did it all. Back there on the cross. We have done and can do nothing to be saved. Our sole role is the same as the Israelites. What did God say? I will save you, just walk through the sea. And so they did. God says to us, I've saved you. I did it 2,000 years ago. So this is how I want you to live in response to that. We're not living that way to try and win favour with God. He's already saved us. That's what the Ten Commandments are all about when you get to Exodus 20. That's why they start with, I'm the Lord your God and I brought you out of Egypt. It's done. You're here. You're saved. Now, how about you live like you're someone who's been saved? Same for us. We have been saved, not by anything we did, but by what Jesus did.
now live in response to that? Lots of things there to talk about and think about. Um, I'm excited uh, for those who are going to look at this in Bible studies, for those uh, who will look at it more this week or looked at it last week. Um, Exodus is a wonderful book because this pattern just keeps recurring throughout the scriptures and the Israelites and us are called on to remember God is a faithful God. Trust him. He will do what he's promised. Don't fall for the lie that you can do something to get right with God. You can't. God has already done it. 100% in Jesus. Just trust him. And then live. Live accordingly. Live in response to what God has done. Let me pray. Oh, loving Lord, we get it so wrong. And sometimes we keep thinking that we need to do something for our salvation. But you've done it all. You did it all back then at the Red Sea. You did it all in Jesus. We pray that you'll remind us of that. But Lord, help us to live in response to that. Help us to live as your people, thankful for what you have done. Help us to trust and obey. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.